Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 34 of Own the Road with Auto Trader, where we make car stuff simple for Canadians. My name is Jody Lai, and I'm the editor in chief of Auto Trader. And I am Dan Alika. I am Auto Trader's road test editor. Hi, Dan. Hey, Jody. Before we start this episode, I want to say we've talked about uh, rules of the road a lot, like, you know, ones that you should know, ones that are kind of unwritten, but you should respect. I want to say, the other day, I was driving to uh, my video shoot mm-hmm. uh, for, for a recent car review. It was the Nissan Aria. Cool. And uh, I was driving up the, the highway, and there was a guy who was in the, the center lane, and he was doing like 105 kilometers an hour in a 100 zone. It's like, yeah, that's slower than most people are driving on the 401 these days, let's be honest. But he wasn't doing anything illegal. Mm-hmm. And a guy came flying up behind him and was flashing his high beams at this guy. And I just want to say, I I don't love that in the fast lane. That's a very European thing and it works. Here, people get offended by it, right? So it's like, I think it's one of those proceed with caution. It's supposed to be just a little warning like, hey, I'm behind you. Get out of the way. Yeah, but you can use the left lane exactly. for passing. Exactly. This, this guy... It really, really bothered me that this guy had the nerve to do that to someone. I get it. You're impatient. But that's not that guy's problem. That's your problem. So anyways, don't do that. This episode is not about (laughs) rules of the road, but this just happened the other day and it really irked me. So I wanted to use it as kind of like a a little, uh, you know, reminder to all of you out there. Patience is a virtue. The left lane is for passing. Don't be a jerk. Thanks, Dan. That's a good reminder for everyone. Every time I go out for a drive, I am so annoyed by all the stuff that I see. And this kind of leads into our conversation today because I was just on vacation last week. We went, we rented a cottage up in Bruce Peninsula. Bruce's Peninsula. Which I mistakenly called Bruce's Peninsula because my cat is named Bruce. So it's just more, it's just funnier that way. It was very, like you said, it was so much confidence. Oh yeah, I'm heading out to Bruce's Peninsula. And all of us in the room like looked at you like... What is this lady I say about? things weird. Dan roasts me all the time for saying stuff weird. Supermarket. Supermarket. Soda. Soda. I know, whatever. But anyway, it was a very, it's a small town yeah. and the drivers up there were so polite yeah. and so courteous. And then I came back into the city and I was enraged by yeah, everyone who was being so rude and impatient. Um, but while I was on vacation there, I randomly stumbled onto this like vintage car show. Very cool. And there were all of these amazing cars from like a whole bunch of different eras. But the ones that stood out to me the most were the ones from the 1950s. Because of those tail fins and like all the chrome and those amazing design details. Any particular ones? There was a DeSoto Adventurer. Not to be confused with a DeSoda. Hey, can you pass me a DeSoda? Anyways. Thanks, Dan. Um, But anyway, this was just a beautiful car and like... I don't want to sound like an old person, but they don't make them like that anymore. I mean, it's true. (laughs) And it was beautiful. And it got me thinking about like design trends of today because the 1950s were such an easy era to define in terms of design. Yeah. And I thought about today, like, is it that easy today? uh, Okay, no. To get to that answer, no. The other thing is, I think it's true, you know, pretty broadly, like the shapes of cars back then really seemed to be influenced by trains um, and planes. So they were all like big and bulgy. But, you know, if you look at like American design, that was like the big 
blinged out chrome, mm-hmm. you know, and tail fins and all that stuff. And if you look at like Japanese design and European design, it very was different. very different, except for kind of the overall shapes of cars for the most part, tended to be similar no matter where you were looking. Yeah, and I think, well, just going back to the 1950s, Mm -hmm. everything was inspired by the obsession with space, going to the moon, all that kind of stuff. Even architecture looked a lot like the cars. Um, There's a style of architecture called googie architecture, which is, I know it's a funny (laughs) word, but it's just, it's such a beautiful design aesthetic, and I really appreciate it. Did you know that term, or did you have to googie it? Wow, that Dan's was a, on a roll today. <laughs> Joseph, our producer, is stifling a laugh, which makes me feel pretty good. But he's also shaking his head <laughs> because that was such a bad dad joke. Anyways, let's get back. I haven't on seen Dan on. for a week because I've been so. on vacation, so he's trying extra hard to like annoy me today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so today in today's episode, we're going to be talking about like the biggest design trends of today's vehicles and where we kind of see it going in the next like five years or so. Um, And one of the biggest design trends that I've noticed is the obsession with massive grills. Yeah, it's a little over the top. Yeah, and I think this started a couple years ago, but all of a sudden automakers, especially luxury automakers, started putting these enormous grills that took up the whole front end of their vehicles um, BMW is guilty of this, Lexus, Those even Toyota. BMW grills, I'm sorry, we've got to say it, like whoever decided that they were going to take what was a pretty, you know, I would say like a pretty iconic grill design, that, that kidney shaped grill, and it was always kind of tasteful, uh, and turn it into these monstrosities, these buck teeth, they're hideous. And then when the public reaction was like oh yikes and bmw went like not enough hold my beer gonna make it bigger it is outrageous uh i'm all for daring design i think like the the hyundai group so hyundai genesis and kia uh are really sort of leading the way in terms of taking risks with design uh not all of it works but also none of it has been as outlandish as those I don't even call them kidneys anymore they're they're literally I've said this before I've said it in videos I've written it in reviews go ahead and take a look at Bette Midler in um what was that, that movie Halloween called? movie yeah um I can't remember the name of it now I, I know me. the one you're talking about, but at Dan's point is that all of BMW's grill looks, girls look, look like, like buck, buck teeth. teeth. It's terrible. Um, but it's funny what you said about uh, Kia, Hyundai, and Genesis, yeah. because basically they kind of hired all of the German automakers' best designers. And so I, I actually get the chance to speak to them sometimes. And a lot of times they're like, yeah, it's so much fun to design for these brands because we're not held back by all of that history and all of those... Um, design cues that they absolutely must yeah. have. And so they're yeah. allowed to be much more experimental. Wait, Hocus Pocus. Yes, that's sorry, the one. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, you're right. I mean, I and Genesis is a really good example of that because that brand is so young. Like it's what, six years old now? Is that it? Yeah. Wow. And so, um, you know, when you talk to their design team, it's they get to kind of do whatever. They have that classic, you know, like, there's no outrageous, uh, you know, nothing's too 
crazy to try. Yeah. Because they're just like, well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it's great to to be able to to experiment and see what. And I work. like that scrappy kind of attitude when it comes to design. I think really exciting things can come out of designs when designers are given like the freedom to totally. experiment. Yeah. And I love that. Wait, um, there's a word you say weird. What? Experiment. How do you say it? Experiment. I also say laboratory. Jody deep down wishes that she was British a little bit. I don't think so. I I, I feel like maybe it's because I watched a lot of British television growing up. What about Dexter's lab? Dexter's and he, laboratory. And he would say laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, I do think, and then another one that I was thinking about recently and I mentioned to you earlier was Toyota has this reputation for being, you know, boring and sleepy and, and you know, for, for the olds. Um, but, but if you take a look, especially, yeah, you're right, like in the last, let's say, seven, yeah. seven years or so, some of the designs that Toyota has churned out are very underrated, in my opinion. Absolutely. I remember when uh, the current generation of Camry came out. It's so cool. It was really crazy for the time. Yeah. And in their press releases and talking to their designers and stuff, they went as far to call it sexy, which has never before been used to describe a Toyota. And yeah. so I thought that was really bold. Except um, for, except, I mean, let's, the, the 2000 GT. That was oh, a that sexy Toyota. Beautiful. But but yeah, like in terms of sedans, especially if you look at like whatever that generation of kind of like late 90s, early 2000s Camry. And they were all gold. That thing was just like a blob. Yeah. It was really reliable, but it was not sexy. And then you look at the, the current Camry yep. and it looks really cool. The Sienna. Yeah, looks see, really Sienna cool. looks great. It also has a big grill, but it somehow works because yeah. of the proportions of that minivan. Totally. It just works. And I think why Toyota's designs are so underrated today, like you said, is because they're obviously extremely popular vehicles. And so we see them everywhere. Yeah. And so that initial punch kind of wears out the longer they're yeah, on the they're road. Yeah, not as, they're not as like controversial because it's like, oh, 50,000 of these RAV4s were sold in Canada this year. It's like, suddenly... You're not as taken aback by yeah, it, right? But it looks cool. And yeah. and they're coming up with a whole bunch of other really cool stuff too. Like they're going to come out with a new Land Cruiser. Yeah. And it's going to look sick. Yeah, that, those teaser images. Um, I don't know if we'll see if the official images um, will be out by the time this airs. If they are, we'll go ahead and, and throw them up. If not, uh, you guys got to check it out. Go to autotrader.ca slash editorial check out this new Land Cruiser because the teaser makes it seem like really retro inspired, which you said to me is another trend that we're seeing these days. Absolutely. So I think one of the first vehicles that kind of tipped the, the the tide on this trend was the Ionic 5, Yeah. right? And so when they came up with the concept for that, um, it was inspired by the original Hyundai Pony from the 80s. Yeah, so the... The, and that's like a whole story. And they and and um, Hyundai's designers uh, worked with the original designers because that po so the the one that was really the kind of pony coupe concept inspired car was that N seventy four Heritage. Oh, that thing was so cool, super cool. But um, but yeah, the front end of that Ionic five kind of took inspiration from the original pony, um, which was a hatchback, and that was kind of the first. Hyundai that you could buy in in North America, right? Um, and 
those pixel lights really give it this like 80s video game vibe. But even just the like the boxiness oh, yeah. of it was so yeah. cool, right? And and this retro design I am absolutely loving. Um, like I said, I'm obsessed with vintage stuff and like old cars and even, you know, the, the Volkswagen ID buzz that's coming oh, out. It man. is, it is so, so influenced by the original micro bus. Yeah. And I love to see automakers going back to their like original models and their original designs to pay homage to them, but then like modernizing them in a way that will make it even more appealing. And it, to me, it's so much different than in the nineties when, you know, the, the new Beetle, the Volkswagen yeah. New Beetle was was came out. Obviously, that was you know leaning into the heritage of the of the Beetle, but like it looked nothing like the original. Just in terms of like the three the bubble design, the basic silhouette was the same, but everything but else everything was else different. was different. If you take a look at the ID Buzz, it just looks like a modern day version of the original, like, like a loaf of bread. Yeah, if it never if if Volkswagen never stopped building that van. This is like the progression, that yeah. that design progression, and it's super cool. And that's what Hyundai, you know, it felt like Hyundai accomplished with the Ionic 5. If the Pony stayed the same, mm -hmm. you know, and existed from the 80s all the way through until today, I feel like this is what, and car design didn't change back into swoopy and more aerodynamic yeah. styling, this is what it would look like. But speaking of aerodynamics, that has obviously always played you know, a key role in automotive design, but with electrification, it's an even bigger deal. Yeah, and so electrification is really, really changing how car designers are approaching car design, mainly because they don't have the traditional things to take care of. Like, we don't need an engine in the front. What are we going to do with all of this new space that we have? So they can really push the envelope that way. But I even mean from a, from like a coefficient of drag oh, absolutely. perspective, right? Look at the Hyundai Ionic 6. Which I guess is also an example of how daring and different, like most car companies, you'll see, you know, you'll see some commonality, right? Some like, you know, some of that genealogy in the current design. Yeah, okay, not all of them are redesigned at or around the same time. So you have different kind of generational um, traits and you have like, they may have cycled through like a, a head designer so like their influence is no longer present. So you still see it in some of the older vehicles. But if you take a look, the Ionic 5 and the Ionic 6 are only two or three years apart. And they are entirely different vehicles except for the pixel, you know, light. Yeah. And so um, where the Ionic 5 is like boxy and retro, the Ionic 6 looks like a bar of soap. It is so smooth yeah. and it looks so... In it's. I don't think it's a good looking car. No, neither do I. But the reason for that shape is to improve aerodynamics, yeah, which will of, increase the range. It's one of the most aerodynamically efficient cars on the market. So it's like, you know, there's a couple, I think the Tesla Model S is a little bit more slippery. Um, the Lucid Air, I believe, is another one that's up there. Um, but the, I believe the North American version of the Ionic 6 is like, 0.22 coefficient of drag, which is super low. And the the Korean and like some European markets have this one that's 0.21. Wow. And that's because they have camera door mirrors. Oh, instead of regular Instead side of like mirrors. actual yeah. mirrors. Um, and that's because wisely our, you know, government regulations don't allow for these cameras. Um, but 
those create obviously a little bit of drag. So the the score here is higher, but still the closer you get to that 0.20, like that's a really impressively low number. That's why the Ionic 6, I'm going to go ahead and say it, is so ugly. <laughs> but it's super efficient. But so, you know, it's kind of worth it. And it's kind of cool around back. Like it's got that kind of like whale tail-esque spoiler. Mm-hmm. Like the back end looks kind of Porsche 911-esque. And I remember, I can't remember the guy's name, but speaking with the designer um, at the LA Auto Show last year, and he was saying like, cause the back end of it comes to this really sharp point. And he said like, they, you know, as a designer, when he was working with the engineering team, it was like, they could just kind of like make it as like, if he could make that car, let's say like 40 feet long and just have that point come sharper and sharper and right. sharper, it would have lowered the coefficient of wow. drag, right? Because that vortex generation, yep. that's a problem. So he's like, that's why they brought it to that sharp point in the in the rear. But obviously there's a limit to, to how cool. much you can, yeah. Oh, and the other thing about EVs and electrification that's really changing how cars look is that we don't need grills anymore. Yeah. There's no engine that needs to breathe, that needs air. Yeah. And so you're seeing a lot more vehicles with just no grill. Yeah. And that was really shocking at first to a lot of people. It's also going to change these the big grill look. That, Absolutely. You know, you still have like BMW is just using these like plastic panels. Mercedes right now is big on these big black plastic panels instead of grills. But if you take a look at the Ionic 6, the Ionic 5, the Kia EV6, you know, there there are no grills. Yes, there are little cooling flaps in the lower bumper, but we're talking about where a traditional grill would exist kind of between yeah. the between the headlights. Those are gone. And so they're like microscopic. They're like little you know, not open, but they're like little mail slots. Oh, they don't even count as grills. No, That's just they're vents. just a, yeah. they're, they're, they're panels. And then down below are these little vents. Um, that's going to reverse the design trend of big grills. Yeah, I think so too. And a, and a kind of an interesting example of that are BMW's electric vehicles. So the iX, they still use that kidney grill and it's very ugly, mind you, yeah. but it's those plastic panels and now they hide all of their safety sensors behind there, which is kind of cool. And it's kind of neat um, that the material itself is self-healing. That's right. Um, so it's, you know, think of it like a like a cutting mat that you might use, you know, in, in like the art world if you're, you know, cutting and sculpting or, or in like um, clothing. You'll have one of those cutting mats. And those are self-healing. Mm-hmm. So if you slice into it you know, the plastic will just kind of fill itself back in. And that's important because if that's where all the safety sensors are, all of those scratches will will affect how well those sensors work. So if this material is self-healing, problem solved. Yeah, it's very cool. And they're they're like heated so they can melt uh, any ice and snow so that in the wintertime the sensors aren't obstructed. It's really cool, but it's you know, in BMW's case, is still very ugly. It is still very ugly. I think the one on the XM looks a little bit better. Yeah. And, like, I guess, you know, the, the what is it, the BMW M4 CSL? Um, oh, yeah, that looks That good. thing looks cool because it's got those bars. Um, and it, that's because it looks like a vintage race car. It makes it look like, you know, the original CSL Um so it works. Yeah. On every other one, it's just ugly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not so good. Yeah. Um, another big design trend we're seeing today is enormous wheels. 
Um, so when I was driving that BMW XM, they were really hyped about the fact that it came with 23 inch wheels. And it was the first time you could ever get wheels that big on a BMW straight from the factory. That is a classic case of, you know, design leading, leading the, the kind of parade because no, you know, engineer would say, oh yes, let's put these massive wheels. Now within reason, right? If you remember the um, BMW i3 was on those like 19 inch Teeny wheels, tiny wheels, but they were like pizza cutters. Yeah. They were so thin. Um, and that was good. The way that the, the, you know, just the, I'm not an engineer, but the way that the car responded, um, to these big wheels that were super narrow worked for efficiency. Nowadays, I'm telling you, I think we're going to maybe see that trend reverse a little bit. It has to because with electrification, um, efficiency becomes so much more important. Yeah. And the downside with having extremely huge wheels is that they are a lot less efficient. Yeah, they're just harder to turn, right? So now Porsche has, ironically, I'm driving the, the Taycan this week. Um, and it's, I don't know, this one is on like 21s, I think. Um, the wheels fill out the wheel wells really nicely. And Porsche's gone with these like almost solid like the spokes are so thick for better aerodynamics that, yeah so they're they're a little more efficient but still you know the the rolling resistance not like a tire but it's just like you know to get that moving to to generate that momentum takes more energy mm -hmm. um, than a smaller than a smaller wheel remember back in the day like 14 15 16 inch wheels i remember when 16s were like Oh man, you went with the big with the big wheels. <laughs> Sixteen is you know? so small. And now it's like there aren't even many cars left that ride on sixteens as standard. Like, I don't think there's any. Seventeen is kind of like you can still get like, you know, some like um like compact cars, some SUVs will ride like, you know, I don't remember I I feel like sixteens might be you can get like the Wrangler Rubicon on sixteens because it because then you can yeah, get bigger tires, right? That makes sense. But like from a design perspective, it's it's these guys saying, well, we don't want, you know, these these designers don't like that, the void, right? They want to ride on these big wheels. And if you look at automotive design, even back in the day, the wheels in the sketches that they did were always comically oversized because they wanted to get rid of that black space. Yeah. You know, it to them, it was ugly. And it ruined their work. It made the design look less appealing. But now it's turned into this just over the top. And I'll tell you right now, like, so my car rides on 16s, I believe. Okay. Um, I dread the day that I have to replace, like, any of you out there who are buying, you know, 20-inch tires for your trucks, like, you know what I'm talking about. A thousand dollars plus per tire. That's insane. I'm sorry, but I just don't. That is a waste. I mean, and that's one of the things you have to consider if you're you, if you want to get bigger wheels is yeah. that they're going to be more expensive to replace one day and they're less efficient, yeah. so you're burning more gas, yeah. etc. Um, but another big design trend um, today is kind of weird because there's a lot of hidden exhausts yeah. and there's a lot of fake exhausts. And and the fake one really really gets me. So sometimes on a modern car, you'll see the rear bumper and they'll have like two squarish, you know, holes that look like exhausts, but there's nothing there. Yeah. They're fake panels. Yeah. And so that really annoyed me because I'm like that has no purpose. Yeah, it's it's really, you know, because 
I think like fundamentally exhaust, especially if you look at, you know, premium vehicles and performance vehicles, that's associated with performance, yes. right? Oh, these tailpipes, you know, that indicates that this vehicle is loud and it's fast and whatever. So this move to like BMW was really, it's hilarious. If you took a look at like, you know, an older X3, um, I remember the first time I noticed it, I was like sitting at a, at a light and my car was much lower and I noticed these two fake exhaust pipes and then the, the actual like exhaust pipes inside of them, the one on the driver's side was, wasn't even functional. Like the, yeah. the one inside, it was silver and then the other side you could see was black and it went all the way through. Um, and I, I find that so strange, but it's also what I think, right? It's, it's affordability because an actual full metal exhaust system with tailpipes attached to the end is expensive. It's very expensive. Something ornate that looks cool. Whereas if you can mold that directly into the bumper and then just have these, you know, yeah. ugly little tailpipes like pop into those. That's such a pet peeve of mine. I think that's one of the design trends today that I just really don't like. Like fake anything. Like sometimes performance cars will have fake vents everywhere yeah. and they look cool, but you get closer and it's like blocked off. So yeah. so what's the point? Why not just make it a real vent? Yeah. It's, it's so silly. Well, but, but I mean, honestly, the big reason why is because of, you know, efficiency. I know, All but if it's a vents, performance car, who cares? Well, because they have to have fleet emissions average, right? So Name. it's like, if the, you know, I remember, I'll tell you guys a story. This is true. When I worked at Subaru um, and the, we were bringing back the turbocharged legacy in Outback. So for, for a few years, um, you could get those. Remember like there was the, the XT version and there was like the spec B legacy and super cool um, cars. And then they went away and you could get a 2.5 liter four cylinder or a 3.6 liter six cylinder. And then the six cylinder was dropped because of, you know, emissions right. uh, and replaced with a 2.4 turbo. And, you know, everyone was really hyped. Oh, it's the legacy GT. And I was like, okay, but if we're going to do that, let's bring back a hood the scoop. The hood scoop because it's it, iconic. Yeah. But it was like, it would have reduced the efficiency, um, and the, the coefficient of drag yeah. by just enough that across that, you know, fleet fleet average, it would have a significant impact. So um, my my director at the time was like, look, we can, you know, chop one up and try to make it work like once like on one of the fitting trial vehicles. Uh -huh. But uh, it, just never came it will be. never be like yeah. they'll never go for it in, in Japan. They, they won't let us do this because it's going to affect our our numbers. I and, can see that. Yeah. I just, I just think it looks so cool, but I'm, I'm very much a, a style over function person. So now <laughs> here's the other, uh, interesting, like exhaust trend was, you know, tailpipes were tailpipes. That was just a thing. And then when Dieselgate, which we talked about on a previous episode, you know, is diesel dead. Um, so Volkswagen's emissions cheating scandal that kind of rocked the whole industry, that suddenly started this trend of hiding the exhaust pipes. So if you take a look, brands like Audi, go figure, it's part of the Volkswagen group, the previous gen Honda Civic, if you notice on, you know, obviously the SI model um, and the Type R, the exhaust was was prevalent because, hey, this is a performance vehicle. But the the kind of regular versions, 
the the tailpipes were cut like vertically and were actually tucked under the bumper pointing straight down at the ground because they didn't because all of a sudden it's like before oh exhaust is cool it means oh. performance then it became ew exhaust is dirty and You're it's bad polluter. for the environment yeah. so let's go ahead and hide those completely now of course this didn't span the entire industry but you can take a look and and see many cars from that kind of like 2016 through the last couple of years, there are cars out on the road that the exhaust was completely ob- obscured from view, you know, and, and it was like a psychological thing. Very cool. Yeah. Um, if any of you have questions about design trends or wanted to point out some of the stuff that uh, you've noticed, you can email us at expert at trader.ca. And don't worry, because we are going to do another episode where we kind of go through, you know, the history of automotive design, some iconic designs. This was just more about now. So I know we touched on the 1950s stuff. Um, we're not, you know, neglecting the the rest of the generations of cars. There's been so many beautiful cars, but we want to make sure that they have kind of time to, to shine. Cool. Thank you, Dan. Um, and before today's Ask an Expert segment, here is a message from our overlords. Save time and money by using AutoTrader, Canada's most trusted place to buy and sell new and used cars. AutoTrader has the most cars and one of the best features is price badging so you can feel more confident that you're getting a good deal. So today's Ask an Expert comes from Andy who we work with here at AutoTrader. Hello experts, got a quick question for you. What's the deal with car sizes? I saw a Nissan Z car from the 80s the other day and the thing is tiny compared to the behemoth SUVs that we're all forced to buy because small cars have been discontinued. Have automakers forgotten how big or small parking spaces actually are? I mean, yes and no. I think ultimately it comes down to, you know, safety or the perception of what's safe, right? It's like, it's easier to pass, you know, these more stringent crash crash regulations today with a larger vehicle that can absorb and disperse energy better than a, than a smaller one. And, you know, don't get me wrong, like even the, the current Mazda MX-5 is a safe car and it's much safer than the one that I owned, my first mm-hmm. gen, but it's still, you know, it doesn't have the occupant protection that you get even from, let's say, a Mazda 3, which is Mazda's compact car, and it's much bigger than like a protege back in the day. That's just, you know, the the simple fact of it. Yeah. And then when you take a look at, I'll tell you again, from experience working on the OEM side, when focus groups are conducted, about with with current gen owners when a vehicle is being redesigned right one of the top three responses is always i i like it i want more space yeah and that's why vehicles tend to get bigger with each passing generation it's very rare that you see you know static dimensions or especially smaller dimensions um it's always going to be bigger sometimes marginally sometimes just huge differences if you take a look at a vehicle like the current gen um, Chevrolet Suburban and Tahoe, mm-hmm. the GMC Yukon, and the Cadillac Escalade, um, those were made. Now they are bigger dimensionally, but um, interior-wise, they got much bigger because GM finally got rid of the solid rear axle and went with independent rear suspension, and that created tons more room inside. 
that's not something that you can do with the average vehicle. Right. Uh, so when when customer feedback is, hey, I love my fill in the blank, but I wish it had more room, they go, okay, well, let's do that. And then the other side of it is when you come out with something new, what do people always want? You bigger know, it's better. bigger, it's better. Yeah. Right. So if you don't hit that, then people are like, yawn. <laughs> You know? Yeah, and that's actually a really good point uh, for a design episode is that us changing safety standards often changes how cars are designed as well. The reason we don't see tail fins and pointy headlights anymore is because you would impale somebody on on a crash. (laughs) Same with pop-up headlights, right? Those don't exist anymore. You know, that's a safety thing. T-tops, those don't exist anymore. That's a safety thing because they can't, you know, meet the, the roof crush standards. Um, and then you might say, well, they can make convertibles, but if you take a look at, you know, equivalent convertibles, they'll have these, um, they're actually kind of cool where they're like these prop rods that in a collision, a rollover collision, these metal rods will shoot up behind the, the passenger cell to keep it from crushing Mm -hmm. the, the occupants. Um, some of them, that's why if you look, remember the Mustang, like two generations ago, it came with that cool, like hoop. Um, Like that roll hoop in the back, that again was to protect people. You can uh, incorporate those into like T-top cars, the Targa, the the Porsche 911 Mm -hmm. Targa. But that's that's crash protection. That silver hoop that you see, that's that's protecting you. Sure, it looks really good, but that is you know that's form over function or form combine really well with with function yeah so safety is a huge driver for um, automotive design thank you andy for your question if any of you have questions you would like to ask dan or i you can email expert at trader.ca um until next time drive safe and please subscribe we love you (laughs) bye guys